My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. My name is Shabnam Sahi. Welcome to the official Sunrise Radio podcast. I'm on your radio weekdays from 9am to 12 noon. If you've heard the show, you know what to expect from it. But here are some exciting, interesting Bollywood stories that you may have missed this time round, served up as part of our official Sunrise Radio podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to a brand new week, to a brand new day. It is a snow day and at least here in London, it is the kind of snow day that I absolutely love. Just enough icing sugar all around me to look like a beautiful picture postcard, yet no disruptions to my commute today. Love it. A big warm welcome to Nim in Milton Keynes, my 13-year-old friend. If you're wondering how she might be fitting in her online school lessons... She's not 13, really. She's about 14 and a half, I believe. Olivia in Basingstoke, thanks for the beautiful start to the working week. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Manoj in Crawley, Praveen in Crawley, thank you very much for your messages. Let's start with something positive, something to look forward to in 2021. So there's a comprehensive list of some of our biggest sports dramas. Now, not all of them are biopics, but 2021 will be lucky to roll out these if all goes to plan with cinemas now in a position to allow 100% occupancy in India which means we could have a sellout show one more time, which is going to be great for business, right? Now, exhibitors in Bollywood, they have always maintained that good content, stories capable of generating that larger-than-life cinematic experience that only a 70mm can give us. These films are bound to draw us back to the box office. And sports dramas, they have full potential to be the game-changer in Bollywood's road to financial recovery. People say that you give a good film, then see Digital का क्या हाल होता है हां तापसी पन्नूज रश्मी रॉकेट शाहिद कपूर रीमेक जर्सी फरहान अख्तर्स बॉक्सिंग सागा तूफान परिणीति चोपड़ा प्लेइंग इंडियन बैडमिंटन्स गोल्डन गर्ल साइना नेहवाल एंड लास्ट बट नॉट लीस्ट कबीर खान अलाउंग अस टू रीलिव दैट मैजिकल मोमेंट इन 1983 व्हेन कपिल देव्स डेविल्स मेड हिस्ट्री बाय लिफ्टिंग द क्रिकेट वर्ल्ड कप फॉर द वेरी फर्स्ट टाइम दैट टू बीटिंग वेस्ट इंडीज हियर एट लॉर्ड्स आई मीन हु वुडंट वांट टू सी दैट ऑन द बिग स्क्रीन with a packed house laughing crying cheering reminiscing bring it on putting a massive celebration like your 50th anniversary on hold thanks to a global pandemic this was hard for yashraj films lekin a 
Aditya Chopra, he knew it was worth it to not rush into the arms of digital for instant gratification, but wait and bide your time for things to get better. With the government of India now allowing a full house in cinemas, rumors suggest that Aditya Chopra will soon announce further details on how he wishes to celebrate this momentous milestone. Now, this started with his dad, Yash Chopra, who set up a production house in a modest room in someone else's office way back in 1970. Wobhi, because Yash Chopra wanted to break away from the family firm and he wanted to make the kind of films that he believed in. 50 years on, Yashraj Films, one of India's biggest names in film production, and a long list of talent is attached to Yashraj 50. That is the hashtag, right? You've got Pathan, you've got Tiger 3, you've got Shamshera, Banti or Bubbly 2, Sandeep or Pinky Farar, and a Vicky Kaushal Biggie. All of these films, part of the illustrious lineup. Expect a confirmation and more information on these from the man himself, Mr. Aditya Chopra, very, very soon. Come se come, rumor to yehi hai. 22 years after they first collaborated on Ham Dil De Chuke Sanam, Ajay Devgan all set to play a very special cameo in Sanjay Leela Bansali's next film, Gangubai Kathiawadi. Playing the role of a gangster, Kareem Lala, who ends up playing big brother to Gangubai and protects her from predators. Then he becomes instrumental in Gangubai's rise to power as a force to reckon with in Kamathipura, which is Mumbai's red light district, which is where the story is set. Now, sources close to Sanjay Leela Bansali say that Ajay Devgan, he has only about 10 days work in this film, but his character is absolutely pivotal in the way Gangubai's story pans out. Or Sanjay Leela Bansalina, he is one of those people who puts art before friendship, his craft before anything else. He's chosen Ajay as Karim Lala because no one else will do. Ajay's moody, broody, silent persona is something that sits rather well with Sanjay's own views on love. We know that, right? Sanjay Leela Bansali always says that the magnanimity in sacrifice outshines all other aspects of love. Anyone can shout from the rooftops and say, I love you, right? But Pure iman se, puri sachai se nibhana, even when love is not a bed of roses. Ajay Devgan is such a natural when it comes to that kind of love. He had to be a part of Gangubai. That's what Sanjay Leela Bansali says, and I completely agree. Excitement levels are sky high after Bollywood found out what Vikram Bhatt and Mahesh Bhatt are planning for fans of their brand of cinema. Now, they are planning a collaboration on a film titled Cold, with Akshay Oberoi and the gorgeous new kid on the block, Anisha Pahuja. Now, written by Mahesh Bhatt and Suhirta Sengupta, and it is directed by Vikram Bhatt, Cold is the story of a woman who lives through a rather dangerous phase, always on edge, teetering on the brink of losing her sanity, losing her life. Vikram Bhatt says that the world has gone through a harrowing time in the past one year, and there is a need for collective catharsis, and Cold is going to provide the viewers just that. Intelligence has always been viewed as the ability to think and learn. But in a post-pandemic world, we need to view it as our ability to rethink and unlearn. And what could be a better way to do this than collaborate with the master storyteller himself? He's talking about his uncle, Mahesh Bhatt. He says, I'm going to reinvent the horror genre with my mentor, Mahesh Bhatt, 20 years after Raz. Once again with Cold, I promise the scariest ride in our cinema to date. 
actress Radhika Apte. Now she's back in Mumbai after a long stint here in London, and she's among the new brood of leading ladies who don't necessarily choose a film because of its format, but they consider the story and the people making it as the two most important factors that lead them to say either yes or no to a project. Radhika Apte says that digital has cut through the hype that invariably comes with a big budget, glossy pot boiler, and digital has told us in no uncertain terms what the audience likes and what it doesn't. It has raised the bar for everyone, for which we should all be extremely thankful. Now, since Bollywood seems to be following South India's lead and taking its creative cues from their content lately, a noteworthy story on one of Tamil cinema's biggest superstars, Vijay Sethupathi. You know his dark character in a film titled Master. Now, this has become a topic of much debate and discussion. How could this mainstream hero play such a violent, villainous character and not upset his fans? Now, we know that all performers they seek to strike a balance in the roles they choose, right? But I'm not like playing that same old, same old, one-dimensional superhero type lead. That is so 2015. Our stars now demand variety, and they are not afraid to cross over to the dark side if there is enough justification in the story to warrant a dark side, right? Putting this into context, this good guy turning evil on screen. Vijay Sethupathi says that both director Lokesh Kanagraj and I were clear that we didn't wish to glorify evil on screen at all, because we know our social responsibility as artists, as actors. We know we can influence a big section of society, young impressionable minds. Playing an evil character is cathartic, yes, but sending out the right message is also critical, especially in a country that's insanely passionate about. and that is devoted to their stars he is absolutely right kyunki aksar hamare stars not just in south india but even in bollywood everybody says you know the biggest allure the biggest attraction of being a star is that you get to do things on screen that you would never do in real life apparently playing a baddie is something that makes them feel very good because they say na 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 real life mein aisa hum kabhi nahi karenge screen pe to karne ka mauka do na please You can catch Shabnam Sahi, the ultimate storyteller, weekdays 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Anushka Arora here. Welcome to episode number four of the official Sunrise Radio podcast. Now, this week I have a very, very special guest on the show with me. Now, he is the son of legendary Zeba and Adnan Sami. Please do welcome uh, Azan Sami Khan on the show. Azan has got a brand new single out, which is called Mere Tera. If you've been listening to my show, then you would have heard me play this song and ha- and talk about how much I absolutely love it. So here it is in conversation with Azan Sami Khan. Hi, Azan. Welcome to Sunrise. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for taking some time out on the weekend. Azan, congratulations on such a wonderful response to Mehtera. It is sounding so, so, so good. Tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. how you're feeling. I know it's been a few days since um, it's been released. So, how's the feedback been for you? Uh, it's been overwhelming. Uh, I, I didn't expect it. Honestly, it was my first independent single, so I thought I'd just put it out there. um and i didn't expect it to be shown so much love um just in a few days i'm not, i'm not trying to be you know diplomatic or humble about it i'm being this is the truth i really thought it was my first independent single there's no like you know movie attached to it or anything mm-hmm. like that so i expected it to be a you know fairly 
subtle move and it's been overwhelming so this kind of pressure that okay now each song has to meet, match up to it yeah of course now azan you have obviously you've composed uh music for uh a few movies was releasing a single now at this point of time in your career was that a conscious decision or would you have liked to have done it beforehand or you know maybe wait a little while and do a few movies and then or did it just kind of organically happen for you I think um I wanted to wait till I felt a bit ready mm-hmm. um in uh putting stuff out that was my own. So I think I used the film time and doing film scores and stuff as to gain experience over, you know, um understand myself a bit more musically, understand what the audiences want from me, what I can offer to them. And then the transition seemed fairly natural. That mm-hmm. okay, you know, while there is a stream of doing film soundtracks, mm-hmm. um I wanted to do something that was more personal. Uh where I could be a little more uh, direct with my listeners a little more vulnerable maybe and uh, share a story that was my own you know so all the songs from the album are my life experiences um you know wrapped up in this album so each song has it takes me back somewhere in my life and um I felt that you know I was ready and at that stage where I could take that jump and be a little um raw with everybody which is really nice and i think like in today's time it's really nice to kind of also be in the music video as well because before you've just been composing and we've not really seen you be the face uh, of the songs that you've composed so like you said there's no movie attached to this one so i think that is really nice to be raw and also be in the video as well you look so much like your dad like so much like him and even in the song as well like there's you know when you're not watching the music video like when the song is just on in the background there is like a hint of adnan in there like it's very soft and i was playing it to my husband and my dad yesterday and i was like can you please listen to the song and tell me if you can hear uh just like a tinkle of adnan in it and they agreed with me and it's just that very that softness that you have which i think is really really lovely that comes out in your voice so i love it i love this one it's really nice a speck of comparison or similarity for me is the biggest compliment uh, other than being my father I'm his biggest fan you know it uh, always means the world if anybody says that uh, I don't consciously ever go into work saying I want to do something like him yeah, but I yeah. guess um, the genetic composition how I am made by god uh, I can't help that I've never tried to consciously mimic him or imitate the way he does uh, does things but he is an inspiration I guess not just for me but for any musician today uh, who's young and who's grown up listening to his music it's very evident that from a technical standpoint he's had a massive imprint on um music oh, and course. how um just the way his musicality is the way he's you know sang songs the way he, his technique yeah, i think is and i and i hear it on a daily basis you know i'll meet musicians singers who've been influenced by him and they all say that like you know he used to do this like this and i use that technique in my work and i yeah. find myself doing the same thing so that's why um he is who he is and uh, but thank you i i please thank your family as well for saying that is very kind no thank you um do you feel a sense of now that there is like this heightened spotlight on you so to speak do you feel that there is some form of pressure uh because you are the son of Zeba and Adnan do you feel that or do you just take it in your stride and you just kind of make music from within and it doesn't really bother you and you just kind of take it what people say to you uh, there's no it's not a pressure uh, it's a responsibility that i uh, you know um, like for instance this is my first album right yeah. now um, just as an example you play the family saying that does he sound like a man who's career is longer than i've been alive you know so uh, that's a responsibility you know yeah. my father's career spans over 30 years now 26 
So uh, knowing that that comparison will be made just puts the responsibility on my head that, okay, um, the amount of work that both my parents have put into their respective careers, I must deliver at a certain standard. So for me, that's tremendously important. Um, and it's important that I know that people listening to me will give me that extra initial attention or that first listen because of them. And it's important. And I know I've also, even as a composer, I got very instant, like, you know, I got easy love a lot of the time because they already love my parents and it'd be yeah. very easy for me to you know do a half job and them to accept me so i'm very grateful for that love i don't take it for granted and i know that even with Matera and the songs that are to come uh, I, I owe it to my listeners to deliver a certain standard and make sure that you know they, they don't feel that you know i wasted that time or i didn't live up to um, that standard. So I take that very seriously. Mm -hmm. I know that I don't take it in a negative light that, you know, oh, um, I'm going to be compared to him. So I need to be different or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't shy away from who son I am, uh, mother or father. Uh, but I just, you know, I just look at it as a responsibility and it's a very small price to pay for the love that I do get and the um, uh, connect that I get with the audiences and the listeners. What would you say is like the best advice that, you know, your parents have given you being and just like growing up in this industry? Um, what's that one thing that always sticks with you? Like, you know, ever since you've been a child and now like, you know, now that you're fully fledged into the industry? Um, it's many things, honestly speaking. It's very many things. Uh, my mother actually, um, it wasn't like, a, you know, a Yoda kind of advice where she was like, you know, imparting wisdom on me. But yeah. um, I remember once I was messing around with my friends and she said something to me. She said, Razan, uh, I want you to be known for the work you do, not for other things. Mm. And it was a very subtle thing. But it really um, stuck with me and it may sound vague, but it, it, I agree with her because um, even yesterday that, you know, someone asked me, they're like, you know, do you, uh, are you trying, I'm, I'm not very active on social media yeah. and things like that. Mm. And um, uh, there's someone said, you know, you want to get known more and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, with any child that's in my position, uh, a lot of doors are easy to get through. You know, a lot of people are easy to meet and that's a huge luxury and privilege. So instead of focusing on how to be famous and how to, you know, uh, get your, um, get attention, I think uh, I try to focus most on the work. And you know, you get uh, that kind of uh, love and people accept you. And secondly, it's up to the audiences. So for me, the most important thing, which is what I think my mother meant, which was that, you know, you do your work right and make sure that is your priority and the rest will come. Uh, no, of course. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I, yeah. Matters a lot. For sure. And in terms of like other projects, we've got this album. Um, are there are any other movies that you're working on that we can hear some more music uh, for you? So there are songs in a film called Dammastam that are coming. Um, there's one more film that, that is not, I can't really talk about, but we started work on that. Mm -hmm. And um, there's the album. I think the for me, 2021 is really about getting the songs out uh, as best possible. And then as soon as things are safe around, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed by the end of the year, yeah. we can, I really want to get out and sing the songs with the audiences live. Oh, that that for me so is very, nice. very exciting. Uh, yeah. And both locally, internationally, because, you know, especially, yeah, for me, that's very exciting because um, so far I've seen the love that my father's gotten from audiences all over the world, from our diaspora, and I can't wait to come and then share the songs with them. Uh, together. I think concerts and like intimate shows, I think that's something that we're really 
really missing and especially with the UK audiences like we're so used to having like a summer full of shows live concerts and we've completely missed that uh, this year so fingers crossed hopefully as and when they start we'd love to have you here and I can't wait to do that I can't wait to sing the songs with sing the film songs that have, people have heard sing these songs with everybody so that's what 2021 really looks like for me yeah well fingers crossed now azan before i let you go you're going to have to sing me a line of mai tera so uh, live if we can mai tera hua ja raha hu bas tera hua ja raha tere aankhon mein jo doobu tere baahon mein jab jhoo सारी घड़ियां रोक के सोचू इसका दिल मैं तेरा हुआ जा रहा हूँ बस तेरा हुआ जा रहा मैं तेरा so beautiful and what i really like in the music video you have that little um introduction of the radio where they introduce the song yes. in your voice yes. that's really nice I love radio. Uh, you know, I keep telling the uh, marketing team behind um, Udham Music and the album. I keep saying, like, get me onto as much radio as you can. Oh, Those yeah. are my listeners. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to go and do other things. You know, so <laughs> I really believe in radio, and uh, that's my, you know, it's my go-to all the time. Oh, I'm so glad, Azan. Thank you so much, and I really wish you all the best uh, with your future projects. And I hope to Thank see you. you back in London really, really soon. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Listen to our Bollywood Queen Anushka Arora from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise. So welcome along to some more brand new content, exclusive content to our Sunrise Radio podcast. It is Paul Shah Talks Bakwas with today the legendary Mr. Apache Indian. Hello. Brilliant. Great to be with you, Paul. Bakwas, eh? We're talking Bakwas. We're going to talk Bakwas. First things first, Miwangal. Well, I've been talking Bakwas for 20 years, so let's go. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Apache, Miwangal. Can you sort it out? Miwangal, you can sort that out. Yeah. Where do you want it? To London City, London City. London would be great. A Gujarati would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you covered. Okay, sir. So, um, first of all, you, we've had this conversation a million times. I'm going to just say, but I've got a lot of respect for you, sir. Um, the way this goes here today is that uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, you're going to fire back with some answers. If you don't want to answer a question, you have five chances to say pass. Okay. After you say all five passes, you've got to answer the rest of the questions. I love it. Okay. Let's, let's try. All right, here we go. Your full name please, sir. My full name. Apache Indian. No. <laughs> Why are you lying on the first question, man? Okay, sorry. Artist name, real name. You didn't say real name. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what is it? Do you know? Yeah. What is it? I eat, I know. I'm allowed to say it. Is that okay? Yeah, go on. Yeah, Stephen Kapoor. Stephen VJ Kapoor. Z- Stephen VJ Kapoor. But Kapoor spelled differently, isn't it? A A P U R yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh age please. 53. Wow. You're looking yeah. good. Length of dreadlocks. Uh, length of dreadlocks 4 foot. You've actually measured it. Yeah, well, I can tell by the my body's about 5 foot, so this is about 4 foot. Yeah, so I can work it out by minusing what's left. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to ask you if there's any other body parts of yours that you've measured, but um, anyway, um, we're going to we're going to get started. This so look, uh, there's very little about you online that I could find out. Well, I was trying to find out some gossip, which means you tried to keep a little bit squeaky clean by the looks of things. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you and I met, Apache? Um, I met you a few times, but I remember when you came to my house. I didn't come to your house. I came to your bar in the back where you, where you got your little studio. Yeah, well, that's our house. That's our garden. garden. No, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we met when I was about 18 years old, but you're not going to remember me. Remember when Raj Guy and Pedro used to have a little office in Wembley? Well, that's it's not, right, yeah. Yeah. And I was there, and it was the first time I ever met you, and it was the first time I was ever starstruck by actually meeting a celebrity. But you wouldn't remember that, would you? didn't remember that. I'm sorry, no, no. Paul. No, no, sorry, that's okay. I wouldn't remember people. me either. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so tell me, look, how did you get the name Apache Indian from Stephen Kapoor? How did that happen? Okay, so Apache came from an idol of mine I used to listen to in Jamaica, the wild Apache supercat reggae DJ. Indian because I'm Indian. So Apache Indian, but that gave me problems later on with Apache Indian and no reservations and... Everyone thought it was an Apache Indian. So. Fair enough. But yeah, yep. it had a certain ring to it, so it worked. And how did you actually get your foot in the door, first of all? I actually made a record myself. You know, I was, on, I was playing as a DJ for many years, bought lots of records, had a sound system. I thought, let me just go and make one record, like a dub play, they used to call it, um, yeah. for myself. And I made it, um, and people liked it. So, got a long story short, I actually made 500 copies of that as a vinyl, gave it out to everyone, gave it to the record shops. And luckily for me, it went to number one. Asian charts, reggae charts in Birmingham, and it just kind of snowballed from there, really. Speaking of vinyl, um, I was actually going through my old vinyl. I've actually got an old vinyl of yours um, featuring, so it's Make Way for the Indian. Remember that? Wow. Big yeah, tune. Absolutely. Is that worth yeah. any money now, do you reckon? Because it's in pristine. It must be worth some money. <laughs> it's in pristine you know condition, condition as well. I have been going back on my own, on, on, um, you, you know, on all these sites and buying my own product back because it's worth so much money and people ask me for it. And I'm sure in a few more years it'll be worth money, but people send me that vinyl to sign. Um, so it's become, it's become collector's items. It makes me feel old. <laughs> well, 53. But, but you that, said it, not me. I love it. I love it. I don't mind. Old is old. Okay, so if you weren't in the music business, what would you be doing? I always wanted to be a sports, uh, into sports. I was, I was an athlete at school. No. And, and, and I, went, I went to Birchwood Harriers, which is the biggest um, sports association up here, Alexander Stadium. I wanted to be a sports teacher, hence I was a basketball referee at uh, 18, O-level in PE. Um, I mean, literally a gig every weekend in a different city, but athletics instead of music. So, And now I'm a teacher, so I wanted to be a teacher. So I'm teaching now sports again. I'm teaching basketball, I'm teaching English and maths and, and music. Good. So I finally made it as a teacher. So never give up on your dreams, guys. Yeah, that includes me as well if this radio thing <laughs> falls through. Um, but no, I mean, I could imagine you dribbling, but you probably trip over your dreadlocks at some point. I do. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A few of them have fall, fallen off. Yeah, so. They've fallen off? Yeah, because they get caught in doors and trapped in cars <laughs> and sit on them. And, <laughs> and literally, <laughs> right there, there, my lady from Africa that does my looks after the dreadlocks, she can't come back. She's in Gambia. So the dreadlocks need maintenance. Can you help me there? Yeah, have you seen the hair that I've got? I might have to get your hairstyle instead. This ain't working. Mate, it's, trust me, it, it's great. It's just, it's easy to do. You don't have to bother. Like, I'm a Gujarati, so I'm the cheapest guy you'll ever know in your entire life. So look, I, you know what? I, I prefer just to do it all myself. I don't have to spend money. I'm happy. If I'm not spending money, but I can imagine that yours, your, your maintenance of your hair is probably going to be quite expensive, especially if you've got to fly I to mean, Africa. The truth, no, 
she's in Africa, she comes back, obviously she's got a place here, but you know what? It's no maintenance. I don't wash my hair as much as other people. Your natural oils from your head look Ew. after your hair. I don't comb it. I don't dry it. Um, so every every three months, six months, go and get it serviced like a car. <laughs> you could be Gujarati as well that way. Yeah, well, I might actually change to be Gujarati because I can't afford it anymore. <laughs> this is your joke, that might love to all the No, 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 it's fine. It's cool. No, no, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. Now, look, we've all got one song that we love to listen to. Now, um, so this is a song which is not Bollywood, not Punjabi. It's an English song that you're driving in your car and you being, you know, Apache Indian and the style of music that you do, um, this is a song that you probably don't want to hear anyone else to hear that you, you're listening to this song. So what is that one song? Elvis Presley, probably. <laughs> Elvis <laughs> Presley! <laughs> my embarrassing moments. We grew up with Elvis. My dad still had the Elvis Presley hairstyle because obviously he, grew up, he was here in the 60s. But all those little Elvis songs, um, oh, I don't know, um, Jailhouse Rock, In the Ghetto. In fact, In the Ghetto, I covered that with Boy George, Elvis Presley song. So look out for that, guys. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, um, in, in the car, on my own, Elvis Presley. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what is your favourite food? And you can't say rice and peas. My favourite food is a food I cook. I've actually become a very, very good chef over the years. Gima, uh, lamb curry, anything that I like, I cook. Anything, anything I don't like, I can't cook. <laughs> so I've learned those dishes. Chinese chicken fried rice, Jamaican food, certain dishes, and certain Indian dishes I've learned. Um, so probably Gima is on top of the list, a nice lamb Gima. Uh, I made a goat Gima the other day. So you mix up the goat two. Goat Right, a gold <laughs> That's proper Jamaican and Indian mix, isn't it? Yeah, so same <laughs> as the music. I'm going to open a restaurant soon, and it's called Apache's Indian with a little Caribbean twist. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've obviously been to like places like Turtle Bay, right? They, they do great goat curries there. I have, yeah, I have, yeah. It's still yeah. not better than mine. I mean, I've, I've made my food for Jamaicans, and they said, wow, where did you get had it? A little desi twist on the gold curry. Love it. That's Apache Indian. Brilliant, Beautiful. okay. Um, you got two kids? Three. Three kids. I'm so sorry. I've met your son, and to to be honest with you, your son is a credit to you. I know that he's involved uh, a lot in the uh, in the business as well, uh, helping you uh, teach teach young kids. He's a DJ now, right? DJ Raja. That's right. That's my youngest boy. He's 24 years old. Okay. Um, he just he's like a mini me. He's got the dreadlocks. Yeah. He goes around the world with me DJs, but yeah, he runs the academy because he's that same age. So I actually, learn. He's probably the most inspiring person in my life today. I'm very close to him. But he's he he's me, very but humble. He listens. To, I listened. I learned so much from him because the world has changed. So, you, guys, you got to listen to young people. Yeah, meet them fifty feet. Meet them halfway. Yeah, absolutely. You've got two other kids. Are they in the industry as well? Have they got dreadlocks? No, no, they haven't got dreadlocks. Um, the kid, they, they, they want to be kept private. But yeah, I had my first son when I was eighteen, so he's thirty-five. Okay. Sports, um, personal trainer. My, my daughter's a nurse. A big, big up all the nurse. Oh wow, that's amazing, man. So, yeah, so she's doing really well, Nina. So God bless you, Nina, if you're cool. listening. Um, yeah, true inspiration. And and is there is there someone that you made these children with, or did they just appear? From the girlfriend at school. <laughs> the wife the wife today. So. Your wife today. I can't find any of the information on your wife. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what she would look like or, or who she is. Tell me about her. Yeah, I mean, you know, my, some people around me want to be kept private. Some people like the limelight. Rajan, my younger son, like the limelight. My wife doesn't. I met her, you know, from school. She's very quiet and shy. Um, but, I, you know, she's just like I've, I've grown up with her from, since 14 and we're 53 together. Same school, same class. Childhood so, um, sweethearts. You have to give her her privacy. 
Okay, no, no, that's fine, dude. You could have easily passed on that and I wouldn't have asked you no, something, no, but pass. you gave me more. That's I cool. Can't pass. I can't pass with you. That'd be on my toes with you, Paul. I know that. Uh, yeah, you definitely have to, mate. Um, okay, so um, your favourite collaboration that you've done so far? Oh, oh, gosh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. Have we collaborated, Paul? I'm sure we were supposed to. We 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 never actually we never collaborated on a song, but I got your vocals and I did a mix, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, my favorite club, I would say um, Jazzy B. Jazzy yeah, B. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Your least favorite collaboration? Oh my god, my least favorite. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> um, I've done a few clubs that she didn't want to do. I don't know why I did them. Maybe favorite. Tell me. Sure, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was his name? There's a guy from up north somewhere. Did a collab with him, and it was the why did you do a collab with him for? Uh, oh, I'll come back to that. <laughs> You're kidding that. me, right? I was actually helping him. I was actually helping him, and then when I did it, he got too big for his boots, and he started getting rude. So I thought, wow. Actually, what? I, I think I know who it is. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the name, but I'm going to beep it out of the actual thing. Okay. okay, so I'm going to say the name now, and then you tell me if it's if it's this person. Okay, here's the name. Okay. No, 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 no. No? No, no. I love that club. I, I love that club. I did a great club with him. You did? It was a new, it was a new MC kind of guy up Manchester. Um, he got really cocky. Uh, Mets and Tricks? No, 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 no. I like them too. It was, I forget his name. He had half a minute of fame. Couldn't be. Why did you do that? He just sounded crap and I thought he wasn't trying to help. You're back here, back here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Um, who would you like to work with who's still alive right now that you're having a chance to? Oh, I would like to work with, always wanted to work with um, uh, Heather Small from M People. Oh. Um, she was on the list. I met her a few times in the industry. I thought she would just have this kind of voice, this kind of bass, kind of just something... Um, that made us stand out. Um, uh, just there's just so many people. A lot of reggae artists. Barry Hammond. I like to work with. I wanted to work with Gregory Isaacs. We lost him. Yeah. Um, I would love to work with Freddie McGregor, Gregory Isaacs, some of the Marley. I mean, I'd love to do a song with Rita and and all the people I've toured with Rita Marley, Marcy Griffith, Lauren um, Hill. Oh, Lauren Hill. Um, from the Asian side, I always wanted to do Gadas Man. To the top of the list, Gadas Man. That can happen. Yeah, I just haven't, you know, all the collabs I've done, I didn't arrange them. It's just been kind of the right place, right time. I've never arranged the collab, so I've just kind of waited for, I've never met Gadas, but I'd love to meet him and I'm oh, sure he's, he's one of the most humble, down-to-earth guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. If you've not met him, then maybe maybe Sunrise can make that introduction. Maybe we can, uh, maybe when he's down here, once all this COVID nonsense is finished with, um, when, when I know he's coming down, maybe I can invite you down as well and we can do something where we do the introduction and say, look, Sunrise started this. Yeah, if you can do that, because you know what it is, I speak to a lot of people that are associated to him, yeah. and they all talk, all talk rubbish. I mean, everyone like, becomes this power manager kind of character. I mean, yeah, I that's the problem, get, though, isn't get it? Get the message to the guy, man. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, who would you never, ever, ever want to work with because of their reputation in the music industry? Would I never want to work with? Um, Don't say oh, me. God. Don't say you. <laughs> who I never want to... Why? You got me, you got me scratching my head. Uh, Make sure one of those dresses doesn't fall out. Another one's going to fall out. Um, <laughs> would I never want to work with? Got to think about that one. Jesus. Um, oh, I'll come back to that one. Do you want to say the name that I mentioned before that we beeped out? Which one is that then? <laughs> huh? Yeah. No, I like him. I did a oh! With him. I'd work with him again. 
Okay, I'm going to beep this whole bit out because, you know, you know what he's like, right? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, I go by the music and I did a wicked song with him. I don't get involved with the politics. Yeah, um, too much politics, man. I, I, just a great song. Hi, hi. Don't um, say too much. I'm going to have to beep the whole thing out. Because <laughs> the truth is, yeah, I haven't listened to that song for a while. And my son started playing it the other day. And he goes, Daddy, this is, this is a great song. Who, who, who's produced this? And then I told him who he was. And I'm not going to tell him the politics, am I? I'm not going to tell him the bad. He doesn't need to know, does he? No, Let's no, he doesn't. Let's make it about the music, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, What yeah. we know as the old school, we know in it. But we don't have to carry the <laughs> Let's carry the good things forward. <laughs> okay. Um, here we get into the end of this now. When was the last time you were in a punch-up and what happened? Oh, my God. In a punch-up? I don't get into punch-ups. No, don't talk, don't talk rubbish, Apache. I don't get into punch-ups. You've never been in a fight in your entire life? Uh, nah, nah. I kept away from all the fights. God bless. You know what I mean? I've, I, I, I can't remember anything that... You know, even from school, I kept away from the gangs. I kept away from the bullies. Maybe pushed around a little bit. There was yeah. five guys that walked into my academy. Yeah. It's kind of an open door that walked into my academy and started from some other college that started bullying some of my kids. And someone said, oh, there's some guys here bullying. I said, they could never be. So I've come out. And they said, I said to them, yeah, what are you doing? And they says, who are you? Anyway, I said, you bullying my kids? They says, yeah. I said, okay, all of you outside. <laughs> I've taken them all outside like I could beat them up. <laughs> all the academies come outside with me. And I said, all right, guys, what do you want then? I just didn't know who I was. And I said, you better leave here because there's now 30, 40 of my kids from the academy. They've left. They've found out who I am. They've actually come back and apologized. Wow. So you, that's a good re reputation of your name because, you know, they went back to their dads and their uncles and the brothers said, you know, you mess with the wrong people. That's a patch Indian and his crew. Why are you, why, why are you, what are you doing? Exactly. So they literally came back and said, one guy said, listen, I was praying. I was, it was Ramadan. I wasn't feeling good. Another guy said something else. But it just shows that, you know, just the power of the name and the respect factor. Sometimes there's a deterrent right there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't right. It wasn't good. But I was ready for the fight if I had to. <laughs> Good man. No, good for you, mate. Good for standing up for yourself. You look like one of those kind of guys. I don't know why I'm getting this image of you, but you'd, you'd like, you know, get ready for a fight. You type your dreadlocks into a bun and then you suddenly know Kung Fu. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, my, my, actually, my elder son to me, he said, my elder son said to me, Dad, you're fearless. And it's not because I'm strong. It's not because of anything. It's just like, I just don't, I just feel protected. I, I just feel like you can walk. If, you're, if your heart's in the right place and... You know, you just you don't have to end up with a fight, but just some words could. I mean, I don't know. I just feel protected by a spirit. Good that man. It makes me fearless. You know what I mean? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Saying that now, I'm going to get beaten up. No, 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 no. We got your back. Don't worry, son. Um, right. Um, last couple of questions. Uh, I'm going to say one thing. Shout out to Raj Guy. Tab. Shout out to Raj Guy. And then I'm going to say Tab. T A B. Oh, God. Yeah. What uh, happened? Wow. What a brilliant, what a brilliant question that is. What happened? <laughs> Ask Raj. <laughs> I, I, you know, the thing is, is that, I, well, you know I'm a fan of Taz. I'm a fan of yeah. Bally's. I'm a fan of yours, obviously, as well. Um, and I, yeah, I got nothing yeah. to say. I feel, I feel the same way, man. I'm feeling your pain. I mean, on paper, it's a great, it's a great yeah. collaboration. Three of us. You know, I got Raj involved. I got him involved. Cause then it became four of us. And, you know, and then, ah. Uh, it just, I don't know, it went wrong. It went pear-shaped. I think it was a new label in India that put it out. They didn't yeah. know what they were doing. And I went to India. Uh, and we even got Amit Chana in the, involved in the video. Yeah. So there was five people. So I was really trying to make it in industry, collaboration, everything. And it just didn't work. I mean, I still love the song. I still love the video and everything. But 
I don't know. For some reason, can I? That's what I said. Can I just I can know. I give you one rec- one one recommendation? I think you know you're right. It's got a lot of potential. I think you might want to have another crack at that one because it's it, it's got potential to do something good, really big. Yeah. So this this is what I'm saying. We make we make them. Yeah. Sometimes I make music over the years and I leave it and it was big another day or another territory. Yeah. Um, so we're relying on video. We're relying on radio. We're relying on promo. And if it didn't happen that time, it's happened another time. But you know, it's still a great song. I love all the guys involved. But wow, it just shows you, you can have big people involved and still it just ends up, you know, kind of on the shelf or didn't do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I yeah. just never give up. It's out there because, you know, it's a great song. But yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, and, f- me that one. and finally, um, how would you like to be remembered in 100 years after it's all done? Um, wow, I like to be remembered as the guy that kind of, um, I don't know, I, I, li- I live free through my music. I, I go against the grain, so I hope that people get the message that you can re- re- you can reach many, many heights. Take your culture and your and your, and your name with you. Yeah. Um, but you could, you could, it doesn't have to be you know in this box. It can be anywhere: Hollywood, Bollywood, anything. So the man that yeah, you know, I don't know, remembered for living free and being free through music. Let me tell you how I remember you. First of all, when I when I first found out about your music, and I've told you this story before, my parents, I was about 14, maybe longer than that, maybe, uh, I was playing it in my room, and my parents came storming in and say, what did that man say? Because they thought you were swearing. Um, and, and you know, and for me, they, they understand, obviously, how what a big impact you've had on, on, on my life and, and every, all of your fans' lives as well. Um, but more importantly than that, you're a man that has come forward... Um, from the Midlands, who has made a name for himself as an Asian in the uh, mainstream music industry and who has uh, worked his way up um, to getting a fantastic award from the Queen. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, also someone who is now helping um, kids um, get off the streets and get into music, which is just something absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, no. it's, it's all the things that I grew up with, all, all my passions, and I'm sharing that with the world, whether it's music, whether it's just giving back, and all those people that have names out there, why aren't you giving back? Yeah. You know, I even work on my new album and, and have artists on there that have never released songs. Yeah. To share the platform. I don't know why we, we have a problem with sharing fame, sharing platform, sharing yeah. success, um, and making it about all of us instead of just one person. Yeah. I am going to be Apache Indian, but you know, it comes from community, it comes from diversity, it comes from multiculture. So it's always, I just come from, you know, sharing my views, whether they be happy, sad, whether they be angry, whether they be political, and that's life again. Yeah. So, so I, I, you have to do that with music. If you're not doing that with music, A, sharing your life and your views, and, and B, trying to make a difference in the world that you live in, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what the name of the fame was for. So the Queen, and, and obviously the Queen uh, the Award has said that first time we're recognising the Asian urban sound. Yeah. That's a big thing, Paul. You know what I mean? Because you're recognising a whole new genre uh, mm. that didn't exist when I started. When a movie or it didn't fit into hip-hop, reggae, Bollywood, or Hollywood, it created this Asian urban sound, which is now an industry around the world. So I don't see the people celebrating that. In, they probably do that when I'm, when I'm dead. They'll probably say, yeah, you know what, that, that started in the Midlands, that started in, in Hansworth, in Birmingham, in the UK. And you know what? It wasn't me, it was all of us that did that. So we should all be celebrating. There hasn't been a word about it. <laughs> maybe another day. Maybe. maybe, another day. maybe. Uh, just on a final note, well, so thank you for joining us today uh, for, for exclusive content for our podcast. Um, I just want to make sure, now this is a yes or no answer, if you don't mind, please. I can see okay. how powerful your social media is over the last few weeks. Uh, you and Sunrise Radio, we're cool, right? Of course, always. Good. Always. That's fine. That's all I need to know, mate. <laughs> 
I don't want to incur that wrath. <laughs> now listen, we've done rise to go back too long, and it's not just about me. What you guys have done for community has been incredible. You've been at the station for many years, and we're you know we're always friends. Uh, and I don't know, you represent community in a big way. Always good things. Mm. Uh, you've rid you've the waves with me from you know back in the day right through now. Um, and the criticisms, and you're still standing, a very, very popular station. And that's why it's all about what you can do, what I can do, what we can do together. So no, no, we're we're never going to fall out for you. You guys got a community agenda. Thank goodness for that. Community, music, and I love it. I love it. You know, whoever doesn't do that, you know, they have have to answer the questions now because the world changed. You're not changing with the world or or changing with the diverse communities. What are you doing as a station? And Sunrise is number one for me. (laughs) <laughs> well, look, I'm telling you now, bruv, you know, uh, and obviously I'm not just saying this as a presenter, I'm saying it as the programme manager for Sunrise. You've always got a home here. We'll always support your music. But thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do in the community. Thank you for all of your efforts. Thank you for all of your music. Um, and uh, thank you for joining me today for the exclusive content on the podcast. Anything else you want to plug before you go? No, no, everyone, look out for the new album. It came out in November. I hope you guys are supporting it there at Sunrise as well. It's called What's Not to Love. Mm. Deep and jobby stuff from India. I mean, everything is there. So other stations are not supporting it, but yet it's been number one across the world, from Jamaica to Japan to India. So look out for the album and what it represents. It's not just me saying album. Look out for the academy. Look out for me, AIM Academy. Get in touch if you're a young person. It doesn't matter if you're in London. Doesn't matter where you are. Get in touch. I will help you if I can, or there'll be a man that can help you. And get in touch with me, Apache Indian HQ. It represents a lot. It's a movement to recognize change, a movement to recognize progress, and we're doing it together. And Paul, you know what? We go back too far. You're not just the radio presenter. We're brothers. We're friends. Thank you. Uh, that means a lot. You know, that personal touch. So thanks for the support, Sunrise. We love you. I'm gonna, we've got many more years to come and support the next generation. So God bless you. Thank you. Don't forget, me one girl. Me one girl. From your London city, me one girl. There you go. <laughs> From Gujarat City. It's not even a city, it's a province. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, buddy. Take care. Thank you. God bless. Big up respect. If you like a dry sense of humor, listen to Paul Shah on Drive weekdays between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce a very special guest on the show today. Uh, for those of you that are joining us on Instagram Live, you can find us at This Is Sunrise. He goes by the name of Bali Sagu, the internationally renowned producer and, of course, composer and everything else that comes and encompasses the music industry. But I affectionately call him Saguchi. I don't know if he remembers this, and I'll tell you why I call him that. Because like good quality leather, it doesn't crack and it doesn't age. Bali Sagu, welcome to the show, my friend. Hello, Abhis. How are you? I'm very well. Well, man, thank you so much for being here, man. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks for calling me, man. Thanks for calling me. Always good to catch up, man. It's been a you, long time, but it yeah, has been a long time. We shot a video together a couple of years ago that we might get to in just a little while. But firstly, tell me, what country are you in, bro? Uh, place called Birmingham. <laughs> That's a country in itself. Let's face it. <laughs> I'm at home, brother, man. I'm at home. That is good. That is good. How long have you been at home? Did you manage to escape the lockdown from India? Have you been here before all of that, or was it in the midst of it all? No, I've been stuck here for quite some time uh, like many people really I've not been able to go abroad I've been here but uh, good stuff man obviously I've been able to get my album sorted out get all the things sorted but yeah I've been here for quite a long time now man it's been a long time since I've been abroad 
Yeah, well, listen, we'll come to that in a second because most of the artists that I've spoken to on this show, particularly in the last 12 months, have been struck and stricken by the pandemic. Of course, you are well known for traveling a lot of India, but internationally to do huge shows and weddings and stuff like that. We'll talk about that in a second. You mentioned an album just now. Now, we'll get to the single in just a little while, but you strike me as someone who is still brave enough to release an album, Bali. Why is that? And why are you so brave? I mean, in a day and age right now to release an album, that's not a risk. Right. Well, I mean, why is it a risk for? I mean, I've done albums all my life on it. You know, I think, you know, albums is a big thing and people are asking me, when's your new album coming out? People don't say, when's your new single coming out? They always say, Fanji, when's your new date coming? So, <laughs> it's a new album, of course. Um, and I think people should be releasing albums, man. Like in the good times, back in the good days, you know, we should be doing albums. I agree with you completely. In fact, on your Instagram, I think yesterday you put up a picture of a tape, literally, of one of your old albums and I just went, wow, I remember those days. You know, even yeah. some of the some of the folks from Simply Punk that have been throwing it back recently about the putting the pencil inside yeah. the tape to rewind yeah. it. And when, it and when it snaps you put the sellotape on i mean look <laughs> let, let's let's talk about the heyday because you went from being a recording artist who remixed some classic songs whether it was Malkit singh's early kind of ragamuffin mixes and the wham bams to becoming one of the most internationally renowned and uh celebrated music producers within our industry you've seen so much change how do you see yourself still fitting into this industry bali part of the industry I have to you know to do all these things so I've always the industry for me is always you know close to my heart man obviously from day one I was on this planet and I've been making music since you know school days and I'll always say that um, that will never change so for me you know it's always been what I enjoy doing the most really you know sitting in my studio traveling around collecting sounds working with musicians recording songs and obviously, so many albums I've made. So, yeah, that's always what I've always done. I always will do. I've been fortunate enough to be sort of see part of that journey as well. In the early days when you signed Rishi to Ishq Records, you know, I hung out with you in Birmingham and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen you evolve. Yeah, but but we've, we've never really talked about musical influences. I know, sadly, your dad passed away just a couple of years ago. And I know he was a huge influence on you. But your musical kind of um, uh, uh, surroundings was Hindi film music and reggae wasn't it yeah i mean more reggae not so much hindi or anything because that came years later right. i mean everybody knows growing up in birmingham you know my my major influence was bob marley you know things like that really i mean mainly reggae uh, dance music uh disco music you know growing up in the 80s with that kind of a sound the indian thing happened years later mm -hmm. uh that's when i started you know getting requests from people say try indian music but predominantly i was doing mixtapes selling them on the streets in Soho road hansworth yeah. And then I was getting requests from people saying, do Indian music, man. Try doing some Indian tapes. And that's obviously what I uh, dabbled. And then, of course, you went into the whole remix world, of course, as I just mentioned, the Ragamuffin mix, Wham Bam. That then went into producing albums, having the opportunity to work with the legendary Nusrat Fatali Khan Saab, and then moving on to, to, to Hindi film soundtracks. Just recently on my weekend breakfast show, I, rem I played a song from the soundtrack, Gartus, that many people may not even remember that you were part and parcel of being a music director on that album, right, with Sanjay Dutt? Yeah, with the late Nusrat as well. So, yeah, yeah I did a, quite a few of the Bollywood stuff back in the heydays, uh, in the 90s, really. So, kind of done everything, man. <laughs> so, what is it that keeps pulling you back to the to the world of kind of UK Punjabi music? What keeps pulling you back? This is home, man. Obviously, I've been here all my life. So, naturally, it's always going to be what I do, you know. Um, but for me, it's like just having experience to give people music all over the world that can connect to my music and connect to the Desi culture and the whole Desi vibe and stuff, you know, because it's people all over the world that need to hear our music 
and they like it in different styles and different flavors. And we needed that, you know, back in the days. I mean, in the in the early early days, it was a big thing just to get an Indian song on the radio. I tried so hard to get out of music on the mainstream radio, and obviously, Durania mm-hmm. was the one that did it. Um, but it took a long time, man. You know, and even now. We don't get a lot of our music playing on mainstream radio, really, you know? So it just you know, it shows you how hard it is. Yeah. So it's always been a very big struggle. But for, luckily for me, I have a, such a big audience around the world that like this type of sound and this type of sound, mellow sounds. I mean, I love doing all the mid-tempo epic ballads and stuff. You know, I love those kind of sounds. But I also like my Pagra. I like my Bollywood vibes. And obviously, I love all my R&B and, and my house vibes, you know, I'm always been more housey, more on the R&B side. So yeah, I mean, you know, everything flows to my boat, man. I mean, I love all types of stuff. It's really interesting, actually, because I don't know if you know or not, but you've been our artist of the week all week here on Sunrise Radio. And this weekend is the Love Sunrise weekend. It's Valentine's Day. And oh, I, was wow. going, I was going through your catalogue. And interestingly enough, a lot of your love songs are Hindi ones. There aren't many Punjabi love songs. Yeah, but there's no reason. But yeah, I mean, I do a lot of mellow, you know, tempo. I mean, like my Dilchis, Dilchis, yep. are all mellow bit tempos. Um, uh, obviously, I've done so many Bollywood tracks, you know, from the Turalias and the Nuris and the Afghi Gazeroz. Mera Rondwacha is a mid-tempo track, you know what yeah. I mean? That's a love song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, depends on what you class as a, a low tempo or a medium tempo and also a love song. A lot of songs that are dance are love songs as well. It's just, Depends on the actual style of the music, really. But I agree. I, sure, don't, I, mean. I just played Penta Gidda just before we went online, and that is a love song, oh, wow. but it's a slightly more reggae up to, you know, and it's a great song. It's one of my favorite tracks off of Star Crazy, too. Now, listen, that back catalogue oh, wow. that you just messaged, like you just spoke about a back catalogue that people kind of go, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, the catalogue is extensive, but let's talk about some of the people you've worked with, man. I mean, we mentioned Nusrif Adari Khan, Hans Raj, Hans Baji on the Star Crazy 2 album, Amitabh Bachchan on the songs and all that kind of stuff who's left on your hit list who is on Bali Sagu's hit list bro well I've always had one name and that ain't gonna ever happen and that's obviously Lata Mageshka right. that was you know for me is the icing on the cake but obviously she doesn't record anymore yeah. but um, I'm so obviously very lucky and I'm blessed that I've worked with the best of the best from the Bollywood industry to the Punjabi industries um, and at the end of the day it's the same as me working with some new singer like on my album, I have new singers. And most of my albums, I have new singers. I'm always scouting for new talent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm always looking for somebody who can maybe sound different, has got a unique sound, a, yeah. new, a unique voice. Um, whether they're from India, whether they're from England, whether they're from Canada. It doesn't really matter. What difference does it make where they're from? But the main thing is that, yeah, it kind of like sounds cool and it's worth working with. You know, that's the more, most important thing, really. It's like collaborating with musicians, you know? You collaborate with somebody from musicians. That's a beautiful thing you said about Lataji, actually, because it is a shame. But would you ever consider working with one of her older vocals and kind of bringing it back up to date in the brilliant way that you did with Juralia? You mean a remix? <laughs> Maybe. Or, or, or nowadays they call it a refix, right? In Bollywood, they, they're <laughs> moving away from the word remix to, to refix. Would they're you? Like, do the surgery. They're like, do some surgery, buddy. Do some surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Koi, koi, koi surgery, karo, buddy. Surgery. Surgery, karo. Um... I mean, yes, I would. Of yeah. course I would, man. Of course, you know, um, I mean, you can't top that. For me, you know, obviously, it's like Mohammed Grafi, Latam Gershkar. Imagine getting the multi-tracks and just stripping them back uh, and then just saying, right, legally, officially, do what you want yeah. and put these out for a new generation. Because so many people haven't heard these tracks anyway. I mean, yeah. some people don't know the original Turalia. Yeah, some people don't know the original tracks from the 70s. Um, just like the black and white film songs. Yeah. I mean, are you an expert on black and white film songs? There's so many tunes out there that if I heard them now, I'll be like, damn, that's a really good song, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's the same same story, really. You know, some of these classic jams. 
they can come back to life and, and, and of course, either be covers, which is a big difference than a remix, guys, or you can do a remix where you get the original multi-track. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I definitely I would be offering, man. I mean, definitely. Well, listen, let's bring it right up to date. You've got a brand new single. Congratulations. Firstly, Fresh Dope Records has been reinvigorated, which is your label with this brand new song. A new singer that I've never heard of, Vicky Marley. And more importantly, above all this, a film by Bali Sagu. Is there directorial kind of dreams here, Bali? Tell us. Well, yeah, I mean, the idea being that this is a video for YouTube. I mean, on YouTube, I'm like, I can make my video 12 or 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, there's no restrictions there. So I'm going to make a mini film and so the song who's been directed by the lady who started in there. She can do it. Who wrote the song. She wrote the story and she directed the video and she starred in the video. So it's a whole whammy all the way right, through. Right, wow. And the video, which was, yeah, and then the video, obviously, Vicky Marley comes from Jumbo and obviously, he's done a great composition, played it on the phone. I'm like, I love this tune, man. He goes, you want to record this? I'm like, yes, I want to record this. Yeah. So we did this track last year, beginning of the year. And so the video was shot in India, in Uttarakhand. And... Yeah, the whole idea was that I'm going to produce a new type of video where there's dialogue with the story. And it's got a love twist to it. And so it's very sort of uh, different than average music videos. And yeah, why not, man? Make it a movie type of thing. For me, it's a new experience. And yeah, I loved it and I enjoyed it. And the people are loving it, man. It's nice. And uh, I think a lot more videos will come through like this now because the world's open up so much more, man. I mean, now it's not just catering for the TV station that's got so many restrictions and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, Live video on YouTube. Isn't it interesting how music has now become a visual medium? Music was always an audio medium, a listening medium, but actually music is now consumed visually. And I feel like you've jumped on that brilliantly to say, you know what? If I want to tell a story with a five minute song with a 12 minute video, I can do that as well. And I think you're doing that brilliantly, man. Uh, listen, what else can we expect from you? This is the brand new single off of your future album, as you mentioned. Any names of the album, any tracks? Can, what else can we expect on it? The new album is ready. It's going to be very, coming out very, very soon. The new single is coming out in a couple of weeks' time. And the whole album, everything has already been done. In fact, it was coming out last year. It was supposed to be out as Diwali. Because of this lockdown, there's the whole world being upside down at the moment. Things have got really delayed. But we're going to be releasing the new single in a couple of weeks' time. And it's Pongola. So people are asking for Pongola music. Um, and then the album's got all types of different vibes on it, man. Definitely leaning on the 90s kind of style. I mean, you know, you can hear it all through the song. Man. Yes. Like, oh, it's a whole 90s vibe, man. Yep. Um, so I think it's different, man. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air, which the industry needs, man. It's definitely old school mixed with today's sound. And it's my way, man. It's like what I enjoy doing. And so, yeah, I'm sure people will love it, man. There's something for everyone on the album. And of course, there's some nice balance, the mid-tempo mid, mid about vibes. And there's nice up-tempo vibes. Bit of everything on it, as usual, on my menu. Of course. And when can we expect that album, Bali? In a few weeks' time. A few weeks? Wow, I thought you were going to say, you know what? I yeah. Didn't oh, that's quite precise. No, it was much ready. more precise yeah. than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> album is ready. The video's ready. So, yeah, all these things are ready. And I've got some nice surprises on there, some nice little treats as well. Right. But, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to get hold of it, man, because everyone's obviously screaming for it. And everyone was like, Aji Pangara, Pangara. There is Pangara on there. Yeah. The new song is Pangara. And but the whole album is not going to be Pangara. I know the whole album is not going to be a one type of the journey. It's all good things for everyone, man. It's all different vibes, man. You know? So that's the whole idea. And it's something obviously I've been working on for a, a couple of years now. It's not like just done. Now, I mean, some of these tracks have been put together for quite some time. But right now, obviously, everyone's loving the vibe of the Inla Jola track and obviously the brand new guy, brand new guy on the mic. 
Um, and yeah, I'm loving the vibe, man. I'm loving all the love and the attention. Everyone's really, really feeling the song. It's kind of growing on everyone. It is, it is. And I have, to, tempo I have yeah. to admit, it took me a couple of plays. I've been playing on my weekend breakfast show since last weekend. And this morning when I played it saying that you're going to be on this afternoon, I listened to it this time around and I was like, you know what? I didn't stop singing it for the rest of the day, man. So as always, it's got that Bali Sagu touch on it that becomes repetitive in your ear. It's a hook line that you can't forget. It's always a pleasure to catch out of you, man. As I've always told you, me and Rishi used to go to school flying your album in the air going this is one of our boys from the UK so it's always a Good pleasure day, you've always been inspirational and you continue to great break ground man so we look forward to that album hopefully soon we'll be able to have you in the studio here in London and we're able to actually shake hands and say hello uh, but until then all the very best stay safe brother give my love to your family and thank you so much for your time thank you God bless big up respect and for a slightly different flavour catch Amit Chana between 7am and 10am on breakfast at weekends This is Anila Dami on Sunday. I'm speaking to Gillian Keegan, Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Apprenticeships and Skills and Conservative MP for Chichester. Good morning, MP Keegan. Good morning, Anila. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on. Thanks for speaking to us this morning. So it's the last day of National Apprenticeship Week and the government have been speaking about the importance of apprenticeships. But how do you think young people will be affected by the pandemic in the long run. Has the government done enough for the future generation? Well, I think there's going to be an awful lot that we have to do to catch up. I mean, clearly the most important thing that we're focused on right now is vaccinating everybody so that we can uh, get the case rates and death rates down so that hopefully we can reopen schools and we're able to do that at schools and colleges on the on the um, 8th of March. So that's the number one focus. Mm. But we know um, that that's a national priority. We know that that's massively important, not only for mental health of young people, but also for their progress and their, obviously their learning. It's not going to be easy and as good uh, to work at home. So we're just desperately trying to get those children back to school. Once we get them back to school, there is an awful lot that we've already announced about investing in catch-up and one-to-one tuition. And we're looking at more that we can do to ensure not only the, edu- the academic side, but also the social side as well, that... You know, kids just just get that chance to catch up with their friends. And, and, you know, there will be a lot of catch up to do. Yeah, it's had Mm. a big impact. And could you just talk us through some of those catch up policies, just so people are aware of what the government has said will be available when it comes to those catch up policies and announcements? Um, Well, we've announced so far, um, well, we announced last week another 300 million, but before that was um, a billion, uh, which was catch-up fund, which was a a number of different things, but it was effectively to allow those disadvantaged children mostly to have small group tuition, one-to-one tuition within the classrooms and once they're back in in school. So it's really, and online as well. So that's the support we've put in place. Um, But we've also put things like holidays and activities funds in, in place for sort of, you know, the Easter holidays and, and you know, the summer holidays, etc. so that we're trying to really look to focus on, you know, also using the time to, to enable kids to come together. But we are looking at extending that as well. There's a number of discussions about what else can be done and, and, and you know, what other things could be made to work. Mm. 
but we are very, very uh, committed to, uh, and we also accept, accept this is going to take uh, a long time. You know, these aren't short-term measures. They're going to continue, you know, for, for the next year or, or two. So, you know, we will be, we will do whatever it takes to help our young people catch up. And I, I know there are catch-up policies in place, and sometimes it's redundant to talk about what's already happened. Are you worried that the damage has already been done? Because it's okay to have these catch-up policies in place. It's obviously necessary to have them in place. But what about what's already happened? I mean, we had Sean Bailey on just before the break. He said that he's worked out his child has only done six weeks of work in the whole year. I mean, is it too late? Well, I mean, there's not much we can do in terms of, you know, we've had to take the measures that we've had to take, obviously, because of the global pandemic. And it has um, and it's obviously not had an equal effect as well on different kids of just different ages and in different family situations. But there's no doubt um, that, that it's had a massive impact. But, you know, it, we also, I mean, we were very reluctant to close schools, but, you know, we did so once we got the data that this new variant was pretty much out of control and the numbers were massively rising, which we saw over the Christmas period. And so there wasn't really that much that we could do. We had to, you know, in order of priority, we had to put the health of everybody first and protecting the NHS first. The next priority is no doubt schools and young people but you know in the in the you know in the early January that you know we had to what it took to protect the NHS but there's no doubt I agree with Sean you know it's it's been massive disruption I know that when I went around the schools myself and colleges obviously Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the apprenticeship and schools minister so I go around a lot of colleges more colleges than schools yeah I do you know what that period when everybody was back you know from from the September through to through to Christmas you've never seen a more excited set of people they were absolutely delighted at any age to be back in school you know they really really had missed school and I think there were, you know we young people are quite resilient so we will see some of them you know will once they're back in their environment back with their friends and they get used to that they will they will bounce back pretty quickly but of course we have to be there for those that aren't yes. and those that you know really found this very tough and, and have become quite isolated um in themselves so it is going to be something that once they're back you know some of the some of the kids will will uh, back pretty quickly but those that aren't will be there to support them and there's a lot of support on mental health uh, you know in general across, yes, yeah. across the country you know every mind matters is, is something that public health england um you know have been um promoted since january and there's a number of mental health charities both well, for every age group, mind, Samaritan, young minds, we think, you know, they're all working very hard to, and there's more money going in to, to support uh, people's mental health. There's no doubt it's going to have an impact. But I'm also thinking that, you know, this is a virus that has forced us to be apart, but it has also brought many of our communities together and, we, you mm-hmm. know, we just need to build on that when, once we can all start to see each other. And the most important thing right now is get the kids back to school, get the young people back to their colleges and then be there to support them. One thing that's on parents' minds, at least, is that how do they ensure that schools are safe to return to on March the 8th? Particularly when, you know, we were going through the papers this morning and there's reports that one adult will be able to meet another adult outside uh, with a coffee once the rules begin to ease. But then you have schools reopening on March the 8th, the same day, and parents will be all at the front gate. So how do you ensure that school safety? Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand because when you try and look at those two side by side and you think, oh, you know, what's safe and what's not, that's actually not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is reduce community transmission. And 
that you know so so effectively we're prioritizing the transmission that we want as opposed to the transmission that is the secondary feature we're trying to get the balance right all the time so you know what we're trying to do is prioritize schools i mean schools are safe obviously the teachers and the schools have put a lot of safety measures in place and we have been operating schools have been open you know all the way through actually and they've been open for key worker kids and and um, vulnerable children mm. and and actually that's in, in primary case i think it's about 20 percent of the children in um at the moment and it's less in the, in the secondary school phase because obviously they're a bit older um so maybe yes, don't yeah. uh, need as much looking after but it's not to say that schools aren't safe we were never saying that we were saying basically we need to really halt drastically the community transmission because this new variant is so much is spreading so quickly that we are in danger of the NHS being overwhelmed. So that's the kind of thought process that we go through. It's not to say, oh, we're going to ch- you know close the schools because they're not safe. It's just because we need to really get that R rate down and that R rate under one. Because if it gets too much out of control, as we were just after Christmas, then you know you end up with the NHS getting very close to breaking point. We had double the amount of patients in the NHS at that point than we'd had at the peak of the first wave. So it really was serious. But it's more of a reflection on the protecting the NHS than the school safety. And of course, yes, you know, we will be looking at, you know, obviously all the things that we put in place. There's also testing, more testing going to schools mm. and more testing is being put in place for teachers um, and for children at school. In fact, they're being tested, the ones who are there now. So we will use that as well. And there's been very low transmission rate overall in schools. But, you know, clearly there is not zero risk to anybody. You know, we all have a risk of getting this vaccine, of, of getting this virus. And that's why we're vaccinating people as quickly as we can mm. uh, to make sure that those that are most vulnerable, the risk, uh, you know, is, is, is reduced massively for them. Do you think that teachers should be on the priority list for vaccines? Well, we so that none of us have to do this. We put in place something called the JCBI, which is the Joint Committee on Vaccination and immunisation and what that there are 10 professors and five doctors who are who are experts in this area and they look at all the data and they make the priorities and that's why they've come up with the you know one to four group which are pretty much all done now which is a brilliant achievement to everybody involved all the volunteers yes yeah obviously absolutely. our fathers nhs staff have just done amazing and the vaccine centers are you know they're all over the country they i mean it, it's just so heartwarming to see how brilliantly everyone's done that um, well they'll all be pretty much done by tomorrow and then we start on the next five groups, um, which takes us, us up to the over 50s. What they've said after that point is they'll have a review point and they'll look whether there is any case for prioritising various occupations or by occupation. But I think overall they're thinking that anybody who's clinically vulnerable, if they're a teacher, obviously they will be already now caught up in some of those first nine groups uh, and obviously they're over 50. But I think they'll look at it after they've done the top nine. But I think so far what they seem to feel is that it's just much better and much quicker to go by age and vulnerability mm. as opposed to you know I, I don't know what the admin would be like but can you imagine a system where people have to prove if they're a bus driver or if they're a teacher and it just would be probably it would slow the whole thing down more than uh, I, I can, so much. I mean I can tell that you're following in quotation marks the science which is what the government has said that they've been doing all along but do you think that it is logical that once schools open and you get you know teachers will all be in one building in one place 
place to reduce that risk that actually it does make logical sense that they should be included? The way they reduce the risk is by keeping two metres apart and from the other adults, which is, you know, when so you, they're in So the you don't think it's vaccines bathroom. because vaccines has been that, that it's been a slogan. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. So you think that other measures are going to be more effective than the vaccine when it comes not to Not at schools. all, not at all. But I think with the, with the vaccine, the question about the vaccine is if you give it to the teachers, then you basically remove it from another group. And what the JCVI say is the group you're removing it from is at much more risk of death and serious illness than the teachers. That's what they say. So effectively, if you prioritise someone else goes down the list, then at the moment you'd be putting somebody down the list who was more likely to have a very serious impact of coronavirus based on, you know, the data so far. But, you know, they keep these things under review all the time. So you know, if they get new data and when they look at the prioritisation, you know, I'd love to vaccinate, you know, <laughs> all of the frontline workers as, as soon as possible. But I think the most important thing is to basically look at the risks and the, the risk of death, I think, is the most important thing and then the risk of serious illness. So that's the difficulty. But I do understand the teachers asking for it and I do understand, you know, there's many other occupations. I think the police as well have put a case forward. Mm. Um, I think transport workers have put, put a case forward. So there are many other occupations, you know, frontline occupations that are out there mm. um, who, 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 you know, and, and of course, one by one, you could, you could definitely think, you know, yes, that would, that would make sense. But at what cost is what the JCBI look at. Um, right. That's where, you know, where they weigh up the balance. There's no doubt there is a massive, um, you know, everybody wants this vaccine, which is great. I mean, there are some countries where there's not as many people getting the vaccine for mm. many reasons, but we're doing well and, you know, we're getting through the ages quickly and we effectively think we're going to get through the, the next group by the end of April. So not that long for us all to wait. And in the meantime, what we have to do is use the other measures, the, you know, hands face to face and keeping the distancing and making sure we don't meet with many people, etc. Um, mm. So that's, that's all we can do until we get vaccinated. But we're on a good trajectory now. We are probably one of the, well, we've got the light at the end of the tunnel, but we're doing probably as, as well as most countries and better than most countries. I want to just quickly come to the gap between private and independent and state schools. Research from UCL shows that during lockdown, 31% of independent schools provided at least four lessons daily, compared with just 6% of state schools. They also found 50% of independent schools assigned at least four hours worth of schoolwork daily compared with just 18% of state schools. There's a, the points of digital poverty as well. I mean, how is that gap going to be closed? I mean, that, that is definitely going to... We're going to see that, um, you know, there will be differences, not necessarily just by independent states, but between state schools as well. I mean, you know, we were talking about catch-up. Obviously, you know, we've, we've appointed the Education Recovery Commissioner for Kevin Collins, and he's going to really look at all of this in great detail. But to do what we can to, to catch up, it has definitely not been equal. And then, of course, we know people's situation at home is not equal as well, and mm-hmm. it's not just about a laptop. I mean, we have provided about a million laptops now directly to, to disadvantaged children. Which fell short of the two million that the government promised. Um, well, to the, there were actually more, close to two million laptops and PCs already in schools. So you had some that were already in schools that were loaned out, gave more to schools, and we, I think we've got about another 300,000 to go. So 1.3 million is, is what we bought. But there was already a couple of, quite a few million actually in circulation. So they had exam computers, etc. So some of those have been being used as well to help those families. But, you know, we have placed one of the biggest 
biggest orders actually in the UK in the UK market for laptops, and we did that straight away. And we've been competing to get that supply as well as many things, because of course this is not unique to the UK. This is happening all over the world. Mm. People are trying to buy laptops for working from home for kids studying at home all over the world. So there's massive global demand. But of course we've also had things like the Oak National Academy, and the BBC have done a brilliant job of putting four hours of, of lessons on television, and the BBC Bite Size as well. Mm. So we, you know, those things have been there. But you know, your your listeners will know, Neil. You know, there's one thing them all being there and the other thing trying to motivate the child to do it. And, and it gets, it, you know, it does get difficult and it gets more difficult day mm. after day, you know, when the, the whole routine is, you know, is turned on its head. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, ch- parents, I mean, they're doing a massively heroic job across the country, but mm. of course, they're not going to be able to do the same as teachers. Many of them are struggling to do their own jobs as well. It's uh, NP Keegan, it's, which, uh, impossible. we're just coming to the end, but in, in about 10 seconds, what do you make of Gavin Williamson? Should he stay well, or should he go? Oh, I mean, you know, the chances, you need to keep people in place. You know, people are there doing the job. Thank you so much for your time today. Tune in every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon for Neil Adani on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. listening to the love lounge with the love doctor me am it's so right i have my couple on the line rupert and girish let's get them on the phone right now as well so that was a last minute thing they literally called me two seconds before here we go rupert girish how are you yeah i'm fine thank you welcome 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 bless her rupert messaged me she said i'm a little bit nervous nothing to be nervous about rupert is your husband there with you right now uh he's with my kids uh, at the moment in the other room oh he's in the other room oh, okay cool yes. no problem at all tell you what keep him there but does he understand the game can you explain me, please? Okay, okay. so what's going to happen is basically, right? So we'll get your husband in. Don't worry about it. We'll get your husband in. We'll explain it to him as well. But what's going to happen is, Rupert, I'm going to ask you five questions about you. Okay. And then you're going to give me the most honest answers you can. And then we're going to yep. call your husband in the room. Okay? All right. And then we're going to okay. ask him the same five questions to see how well he knows you, to see if he gets the same answers that you said. All right. Okay. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Um, right. Firstly, where are you guys from, by the way? I'm from Swansea. <gasps> You're from Wales? Yeah. Oh, I was born in Wales. That's lovely. Oh, oh awesome. That's, that's good to know. Yeah, I was a Welsh baby. But anyway, right, let's get, let's get on with the actual game, shall we? Okay, yeah. cool. So five questions for you. Are you ready, Rupa? Yeah, I am. Let's play the couples game. It's how well do you know your partner? So question number one, Rupa. What is your favourite naughty snack? Like, is it crisps? Is it chocolate? What's your favourite naughty snack? Chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, nice. I love it. I love it. Okay. And I'm just going to write it down so I remember. Number two, your favorite song or music artist? Uh, at the moment, um, I'm loving all the songs from Kabir Singh. Yeah, it is Tera Banjaunga. Tera Banjaunga, yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and it's Kabir Singh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. No worries. Number three, can you tell me one thing that is on your bucket list? Uh, to visit Kedarnath Temple. Oh, okay, cool. Now, next question, question number four. The best yep. holiday destination that you and your husband have both been on together? Three years back, we both been to Mauritius. Oh, um, beautiful. Yeah. And was yeah. that your favourite one? Because my wife and I went there for our honeymoon. We absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Oh, it is, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Yeah, um, okay, and last but not least, your favourite film. Now, Hollywood, Bollywood or anything as well. What is your favourite movie of all time? Um, Jabbi Met. 
Job we met. Nice. Good film. Okay, brilliant. So you've answered your five questions. Let's get your husband in the room. Shall we? Let's get Girish in here as well. Give him a call. Come on. Girish, get in the room. Uh, Cool. So uh, Rupert, is Girish there? Yeah, yeah, he's there. Girish, my friend, how are you? Uh, Hello, Amit. Tell me. Oh, good. Oh, of course, yes. Oh, right, so you are out of the room when we explain the rules of this game. So I'm just going to kind of recap very quickly. So I just asked Rupa five questions about herself. I'm going right. to ask you the same five questions to see if you can guess what Rupa answered. Okay? Oh, no. Don't, don't embarrass, the embarrass us now. Oh, don't worry. You won't. Honestly, most couples, <laughs> most couples do better than they think they do. This is the trick of the game. I think you'll do better than you think. All right? I, I mean, people, people think that uh, we are a very good couple and we know each other very well. So I hope uh, it's true now. Uh, no, I'm sure it will be. Let's see. Right? Let's put it to the test. But I'm sure you're going to do right. better than okay. you think. All right. The first question I asked uh, Rupa was, what's her favorite naughty snack? Is it crisps? Is it chocolate? Is it Indian sweets? What was it? If, if she was in India, it, it would have been a lot more different thing. But uh, just because she's here right now and the, and the varieties of chocolates available here, she, she usually loves chocolate. And even though she doesn't want to, that's what she uh, always tries to sneak and get some, actually. <laughs> nice chocolate. Okay, I love that. Question number two. Uh, yeah? Favorite song or music artist for Rupa? Um, I mean, uh, I think the last... Uh, Nice movie we watched together was the Kabir Singh, and we loved most of the songs. And she still uh, loves those songs. It's one of those Kabir Singh songs. I'm not sure if there's so many songs she loves. Two, two or three songs she loves. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. That's all right. You know what? We don't we don't have to get too specific. But you're very uh, very good answer so far. So you're doing well. Uh, number okay. three. Say one thing that was on her bucket list. Uh, I mean, because of this pandemic, we haven't been anywhere. I mean, you know, normally we would be we would be visiting quite a few places in a year, and um, this year I think next time when we go to India, we are planning to go to few places, and among them, she wants to go to Kedarnath as well. Oh, perfect. Uh, okay, no problem. Question oh, number four. One, yeah, that's fine. No worries. Oh, fine. Question number four: uh, the best holiday destination you've both been to? Uh, we both want to go or been to? Right? Have been to, yeah. I mean that that must be Mauritius because that was on our tenth anniversary. First time we had been there without our kids. We have been to anywhere without our kids. <laughs> love it! I absolutely love it. Okay, hold on one second. Right, last question, final question, fifth question. Her favorite film. Um, uh, she she used to like Hum Dil De Chike Sanam, and then we liked Kabir Singh together. She saw. She um, she used to see Jabbibet before. I don't know what exactly. One of the no, one of those three. Okay, cool. You know what? That yeah. that you've answered all five questions, and I haven't told you. I haven't told you what she what she said yet. So I'm going to put you out of your misery because right. uh, I think you've been kept in suspense long enough, right? Yeah. Um, but before we do, is Rupa still there? Is she, are you guys on speaker? Can she hear this? No, it's, she's not on speaker. Shall I put on speaker? If you can, go for it. Put it on okay. speaker. All right, I go right now. Yeah, okay, cool. Rupa, if you're hearing Hello? this, right, if your, yeah, hus- yeah, if your husband gets four or five out of five, what are you going to do for him? Because he is an amazing husband if he did that, I think. <laughs> oh, I gave him a good, big hug. Big hug. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness me. I mean, come on. That's like pushing the boat out there. That is really impressive. All right, listen. I- I've kept you in misery long enough, Girish. Drum roll. Yeah. On the couples game, the couples challenge, right. how well do you know your partner? You scored. Okay. 
five out of five. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. You said it all right. Chocolate. Kabir Singh. Uh, to visit the temple. Um, Mauritius and Jub we met. You got them all wow. correct. Yeah. I mean, that is thank incredible. You, thank, you. thank you. How long thank have you guys you. been married, by the way? 13 years now. 13 years, yeah. i tell you what, before we go, just give one quick message out there. The secret to a happy marriage, because you're obviously a very happily married couple. What would you say to every couple out there, perhaps starting on their journey? Um, I think it's trust. Trust. I love it. Trust. And if you love somebody, you just need to love. Uh, it's a sort of a, what do you say, unconditional love. You just need no, no conditions at all. I love that. Thank you so much. Beautiful messages. And a Valentine's message for each other as well. Go for it. I just thank God for uh, for you in the life. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. You guys are so in love, aren't you? Oh, that's yeah. incredible. I just wanted to say thank you to you both. Rupa thank Girish you. from Swansea, I hope you had fun. See, it wasn't that bad, was it? You guys are awesome. Uh, Stay in touch with me. Lovely to get to know you as well. You're listening to The Love Lounge with The Love Doctor here on The Love Sunrise Weekend with me, The Love Doctor, Amit Soda. Catch our love guru, Amit Soda, between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. every Sunday for that chill out zone.